Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back. My name is Josh and thank you for coming to the Dwell Digital Living Room once more. And here we are going through our How to Be series, which is our summer series through the Psalms. That's kind of tricky to say right there. Uh, Where we look at what it looks like to live this Christian life. We're sort of uh, asking scripture and the Psalms particularly, how is it that we are to be? And so today we're going to talk about consuming and the things that we sort of consume. Not just the things that we eat, but really all of the literature and media and all of the things that we're constantly putting into our heads. Now, in like uh, the 15th century, the word consumer started being used as sort of like as far back as we can track it, at least with my, you know, very loose Wikipedia research. Now, uh, here's what's interesting. When the word first came around, it meant someone who squanders or wastes. A consumer then was someone who was just sort of gobbling up stuff and wasting it. Then, around the mid-1700s, a subtle but profound shift happens. This word consumer gets paired with this word producer and starts getting used in an economic sense. Uh, then, it was, ter- it was uh, used to describe two different people. One is creating or selling goods and services, and the other one is taking them, using them, eating them, experiencing them, whatever. Uh, the other one is consuming it. And so, in economics, you have everyone broken down into producers and consumers. And this is what producers really do think of you. In fact, uh, they think that you are a person who is like a unit out there who is just out there for the sole purpose of consuming whatever it is that they are producing. And I'm using you and they in this sense, but it's kind of odd because we've probably all been on both sides of this thing throughout our lives, right? And it's weird how when we are consumers, when we're people who are out there, we don't think of ourselves as consumers, right? We think like, oh, I'm going to buy something, I'm going to this restaurant, I'm going to do whatever. Uh, And yet, like, but we think of ourselves as human beings, not as consumers. Yet, something strange happens where when we get on the producer's side, all of a sudden the other side, the consumers, turn into these sort of like units for us, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever worked in a restaurant, uh, but all of a sudden... You know, these people, these human beings that you're serving, you're giving them life-giving food. It's very special, it's very important, it's very necessary for us. And yet, when you're a server, you're out there thinking about, like, table six said this, and this crazy person wanted this, and, you know, you're back in the kitchen cracking jokes about stupid orders, and people who get frustrated about things, and you're thinking about how many tables you can crank out, and you're trying to get them to buy more so that they'll tip more. And all of these things, you turn this other human being into a consumer. This is especially true in the sales game, right? When you're selling something, everything turns into how many clients you can get, how many leads you can get, uh, are you hitting your targets, are you making your numbers, and you'll even do things, and and I'm not saying this is like evil or wrong or anything, this is just sort of the nature of, of how we live now, but you'll even do things where you'll sort of like sell your own emotional capital, right? Like you're like pretending or maybe even acting uh, or maybe even like, you know, in reality, friends with a person just so you can sell them something. This is the world that we live in, which is why today's sermon is about how we can overthrow these bourgeoisie capitalist pigs and institute anarchy. I'm just kidding. That was probably the weakest call to anarchy of all time. Uh, Here's the point for real though. 
uh, we're all so deeply entrenched in a system that is built on consuming that we probably don't even recognize just how deep we are into it. Just how much we buy into it. And then, the scary thing is, that all of these forces are working around the world. We're sort of bought into the system where we are the consumers and so we consume. All of these things are working on you even as we speak to get you to consume more and more. To get you to buy their product. To get to you to use their experience or use their product. Uh, to get you to uh, want or pine after the lifestyle that they are promoting to you. And we get so deep into it that sometimes we lose focus of the fact that the things that we consume actually begin to shape who we are. They're not neutral, right? Like, the choices that you make begin to shape how you think and how you look at the world. The car you drive, the food that you eat, the clothes that you wear, all of these things begin to define who we actually are. They inform our continued decision-making. And they provide a lens for the way that we look at the world. I mean, just think on this for a moment. Like, think about like the things that you buy and think about how they change the way that you look at the world. Right? Uh, I used to think that people that had the, you know, tiny little Bluetooth ear earbuds, they were like, you know, tool bags, right? Like, they walk into a coffee shop and they're like mid-conversation and they're like, Oh, sorry, I wasn't talking to you. I was, you know, closing deals over here on my headphones. Then I got one, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing in the world, and I never want to take it out of my ears, right? Somehow, uh, a shift happened in me based on something that I uh, started to use to where now I look at the world differently. When you buy a Jeep, you don't look at a hill as like an obstacle or something that is not for you. You look at it as something to be conquered, right? Uh, there's millions of different ways that this kind of plays out, and I'm sure you've even seen it in your own life. The simple point is this. To some degree or another, you are what you consume. You are what you consume. Now, hopefully you're tracking with me up until this point. Hopefully uh, we're, we're still together. Here's what's weird, and I think it's, it shows like the fact that we haven't really thought through this whole consumer mentality quite completely. If you get sick tonight, like, you know, you're up all night, coming out both ends, you're just huddled around your toilet in the bathroom, like, really just a rough night, you're immediately going to ask the question, what did I eat, right? That's going to be your first question. You're going to assume food poisoning, and you're going to run back through your list of the past, like, you know, 24, 48 hours of what you'd eaten. But what's weird is when your head is not right, when your emotional state is unhealthy and unbalanced, uh, when you look over the course of your life and you question your decision making and your patterns and the things that you choose to do, do you ever ask yourself, what have I been consuming? Not just food-wise, but do you ever ask yourself, like, what are the things that I'm actually putting into my mind? What are the things that I am actually purchasing that are shaping me? And I feel like media and literature is actually one of the primary ways that we shape our own minds. The things that you are consuming, the things that you are watching, the things that you are reading, the things that you are listening to are filtering into your mind and we do it so unthinkingly, we just sort of do it hedonistically to chase what we like in the moment, what's going to make us feel good, what's going to elicit the response that we want. And because of that, it comes straight into our minds and begins to factor into the way that we think and the way that we look at the world. 
Does it not stand to reason, then, that consuming certain news perspectives would encourage you to then share those perspectives? Does it not stand to reason that consuming certain social media would encourage you to envy certain lifestyles over others? Right? We don't think of that as like a, we don't make that a well thought out decision. We just let that happen to us, right? We're scrolling, we like something, we click like, we follow it, whatever. And then all of a sudden, that's a lifestyle that we begin to envy. Does it not stand to reason, then, that consuming pornography or the nearly pornographic things that are on television would warp your thoughts and expectation on a healthy human relationship? Or perhaps the most insidious is that the perspectives of the many people who are making the literature that you are consuming the people that are making the movies that you're watching, the people uh, that are making the t- TV that you're watching, or the books that you read, that those people would have a radically different worldview than Scripture. And I'm not saying that all of them do, but I am saying that we don't often take that into account when we consume something. And yet literature has historically been one of the best ways to change perspectives, to even change cultural ideas, to change societies, and even shape history. And if you're anything like me, it's all too easy to just unthinkingly watch whatever it is I desire to watch in that moment, to unthinkingly consume whatever I think is going to make me happiest, regardless of the subtle perspectives of the subtle sort of worldviews that are going to be pushed into my brain as I am watching. And over time, those things can subtly seep into your mind. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, we need to become some sort of closed-off society where we just abandon the rest of the world and the rest of culture. I'm also not saying that we need to, you know, only watch Focus on the Family and, you know, only or listen to those cool Adventures and Odyssey tapes that they used to have when I was a kid. I'm not saying that that's all that we should do. I think there is plenty of great ways that God actually speaks through art, both uh, secular and Christian, and he is actually continuing to reveal himself throughout the creative outlets of millions of creators uh, throughout history and around the world. But what I am saying, the simple move that I'm asking you to join me in making today, is that we fight to consume what is good. That it's not so much... uh, focusing on the things that we shouldn't watch or shouldn't consume, though you really should think through those things. But even more so, it's focusing on the good things that we can consume. It's making the choice to have the discipline to choose to consume what is good. Uh, Today, actually, we're looking at a part of Psalm 119, uh, which is this crazy long psalm. It's actually an acrostic poem based off of the different uh, letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And this little section, I feel like, is just extremely appropriate for today. It says this in verse 65. You have dealt with well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Isn't that something that you want to say to God? Teach me good judgment. I need that. And knowledge, because I believe in your commandments. That's something that you have to remind yourself of, and something that the psalmist here is speaking back to God. He's saying, I do believe in your, ju- in your commandments. I-, I do believe in them, which is why I am asking you to teach me good judgment. Before I was afflicted and I went astray, but now I keep your word. 
This is beautiful. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. Isn't that kind of a beautiful picture? Like, how many people have you seen that, you know, because of just the massive amounts of voices and media that we have to put in our minds, can become unfeeling, can become just consumers? But no, this person's actually delighting in God's law. He says in 71, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. What kind of clarity, what kind of self-knowledge is that? Where you're saying, it's actually really good that I had to go through that hard time because it made me turn to what was actually good for me. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. This is the goal. This is what we're shooting for. This is our aim. That the word of the Lord is the input that we are craving. That it is what we are hungering after above everything else. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that it's simple. It takes this sort of like small step to begin adjusting your affections, to begin reordering your loves so that you actually crave the goodness of God. But it is one of those things, very much like what we talked about last week, that the more and more that you take steps towards God, the more and more He reveals more of Himself to you and the more that you can actually delight in and enjoy Him. But it takes that willpower, it takes that self-control to take that step towards him, to say, I'm going to choose your good over anything else that I think might satisfy me. It takes that step to say, I'm going to take a little bit of time out of my media-consuming day and maybe read scripture. Take a little bit of time and actually listen for the voice of God. Take a little bit of time away from, you know, just constantly feeding myself all of these things that I am constantly consuming and focus on consuming what is good from the Lord. I want to leave you uh, with these words of Paul. Because I think he, he sort of sums it up perfectly in the New Testament. Philippians 4, 8-9 through 9 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. May it be so with us. May it be so with you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church— So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.